Hello listeners, we're so excited for you to listen to this episode. Today, we'll be covering a range of topics related to the gender spectrum and sexuality. We've also provided a list of helpful resources to support your engagement in these important subjects. Be sure to check them out on this episode's Padlet. Now let's start the show. If you really knew me, 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 you would know. Hey! And welcome to If You Knew Me Mondays, a student-hosted Park Day-inspired podcast that builds belonging by sharing stories and perspectives from the margins of our school and our community. I'm Liam, one of your 8th grade co-hosts and the associate producer of this special Pride Week episode. If you really knew me, you would know that I'm looking forward to taking AP Computer Science classes when I'm in high school. And I'm Kairos. I'm also an 8th grader, at least for another two weeks. And if you really knew me, you'd know that one thing I'm excited for in high school is being able to go off campus and explore San Francisco. On today's episode in celebration of Pride Week, we're turning our full attention to all things gay at Park Day. That's right. Our queer community is full of all kinds of prideful expression. The language we use to express our gender and sexuality, the inspiring role models we support, down to the very way we dress and speak. Every member of the Park Day queer community is unique in their own way. Pride Week is a time to stand up for gender equality, a time to learn about how the struggles for LGBTQ plus rights intersects with many social justice causes, and definitely a time to be loud and proud of who we fully are. Today, we'll be hearing from a wide range of Park Day students and staff about issues that matter to our queer community. Along the way, you'll hear a Pride-related book review, and you'll learn all about a middle school-led project about belonging. But first, let's get started with a special Pride edition of our Park Daily Question. Hello again, it's me, Kairos, here to welcome you to the Park Daily Question. If you really knew me, you would know that Pride Week is one of my favorite times at Park Day. One of the things I like most is how the school comes alive in the colors of Pride Month. Today, we'll be connecting with members of the Park Day community to learn about their favorite ways that Pride Week is celebrated in our school community. But first, here's a little bit of history. Although Pride is most often a time of celebration, did you know that its history is rooted in real activism? In order for the LGBTQ community to fully express its pride today, it took generations of changemakers fighting to be seen and for the passage of just legislation, even to get here. This included years of gay, queer, bisexual, transgender, and questioning people, enduring countless forms of discriminatory laws and cultural norms, not to mention violence and abuse. Here's a little more from one of our Equity and Justice podcast projects. Pride. 
pride and perspective. It's so effective. Oh, we support LGBTQ+. So you may be wondering, how did Pride Month start? At the Stonewall Inn in New York City on June 28, 1969, the police raided the establishment where many in the LGBTQ community gathered. The police arrested employees and guests of the bar. In response to the police brutality, riots started occurring lasting five days after the incident. A year later, June 28, 1970, LGBTQ rights activists presented the idea of a march in acknowledgement of the Stonewall Inn events. Sadly, this struggle for equity and justice continues today, which is an important reason why we continue to celebrate Pride Month in our world and Pride Week at Park Day. Right. While the month of June is formally recognized as Pride Month in the broader world, each year at Park Day, we spend a full week in late May honoring the contributions of our LGBTQ community. During the nine years I've attended Park Day, we've honored this time in a variety of ways, including festive school assemblies, school-wide parades that spill out into the surrounding neighborhood, and colorful classroom activities through all grades. Okay, next up, we're headed out to campus to hear how people connect with this special time of year. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. I'm a kindergarten teacher. I've been at Park for about nine years. My favorite memory of Pride Week is just the music, the singing, the celebrating on the field, everybody wearing different colors and... I'm coming out, I want the world to know. I literally have gotten teary-eyed. I turn around, people are have tears streaming down their faces. It's a beautiful moment and something I really love about Park, just the way we embrace everybody. I love it, and I can't wait for it again this year. Hi, my name is Will. I've been on Park Day for seven years, and I'm in fifth grade. The um, Definitely the Pride Festival or, like, the Pride Parade. I think it's just really like a happy like it just gives us these really good vibes and I really like it and I like that we do it every year and that's kind of like my favorite part. Hi my name is Cassandra. Oh wow let's see so having been here a million years um, my favorite part is that I've actually watched it grow from like the very very first um, celebration of Pride Month and that it has continued all these years so just that every year we keep doing it and um, it's pretty amazing I think it's been an amazing journey for the school hi my name is Sage um, I'm in seventh grade and my favorite pride memory at Park Day School is the assemblies and how everyone talks about pride hey this is Devin homie third grade teacher my favorite Park Day Pride memory is pretty much just seeing the cacophony of color and sound as we all swarm the field and everybody's smiling faces and the joy that Pride brings. Hi, I'm Eddie. I'm in eighth grade and my favorite Pride memory at Park Day is the Pride parades and when we are walking and everyone is supportively honking at us. 
This is Andrew. I teach 7th and 8th grade history. A favorite memory from Pride. Uh, last year's Pride Parade was pretty dope. We uh, walking around Oakland Tech. It's very exciting because it was happening at the same time as Oakland Tech graduation. And there was a lot of excitement with both camps of Oakland Tech and also Park Day and a lot of supportive cheers and uh, chants. It was, it was very exciting. Uh, hi, I'm Sophia. I'm in sixth grade. And one of my favorite uh, Park Day Pride Assembly moments is last year's Pride Parade was on my birthday. And so I got a parade for my birthday and that was fun. Hi, this is Jennifer Cooper and I'm the Director of Facilities and the Pandemic Coordinator here at Park Day. I've been here for a while as a parent before I even worked here and participated in quite a few of the Pride Day events. Um, they're just so amazing. The things that I remember the most are the gay men's chorus that came and sang. I think there was another group that did like these crazy acrobatic moves. I remember them all kind of stacking up on top of each other, all of the different songs. And I think the other really big thing that I remember is the Park Day community participating in the Pride Parade over in San Francisco, as well as the one here in Oakland. Hello, my name is Rowan and I'm a seventh grader here at Park Day. And one of my favorite memories of Pride Day was the band that played at the assembly. Hi, my name is Jen. I've been at Park Day for four years and I teach seventh and eighth grade English. One of the best things that I love about Pride is the students all representing a certain color from the rainbow, whether it's pink or glitter or red or yellow, people come to represent and I love that. Hola, eh, me llamo Cristina Portela and I'm the middle school art teacher. My favorite thing is when I see all the kids from all grades can come together and then walk outside with all their um, posters. And since I live in the neighborhood, I can tell that um, all of the neighbors talk about it too. Hi, my name is Yasana, I'm in sixth grade. And one of my favorite pride memories is the assembly in third grade when we got um, stickers on the field and it, that was just really fun. Hi, my name is Eileen and I teach fifth grade humanities and something that stands out to me about Pride at Park Day is that it pushes me as an educator to really respond to the unique cohort that we have each year and what they want to explore about Pride and what they're passionate about. Hi, my name is Tatiana and I'm in the business office when my son was with um, Katie in the first grade and he brought home uh, his homework. It was like grammatical homework, but the story was about love between mom and mom, dad and dad, and the story was so, so lovely. I wish the whole world will see love that way. That was so cool, I have to say. I really love these Park Daily questions because we get to hear so many unique perspectives side by side. Folks may have their own personal favorite Pride experiences, but it's super clear that Pride has such a special place in our community as a whole. Thank you to all of the people whose voices we just heard. If any of you listeners want to join in on the conversation, you can share your own Pride perspective on this episode's Padlet. We'll be posting some of our favorite photos of Park Day Pride festivities over the years, so be sure to check out the Padlet. 
Once again, my name is Kairos, and that does it for today's Park Daily Question. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time around. Wow, that was really cool hearing about everyone's unique experiences with Pride Week at Park Day. I really appreciated Cass's perspective about how Pride Week at Park Day continues to evolve and change. Last year's Pride Parade was awesome, but why not flip the script and make a Pride podcast this year? Alright, we'll continue this conversation later. Right now, it's time for a special Pride Week book review with some of our friends from the GSA. Fun Facts Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals, or however you identify. Welcome to the Pride Week book review. My name is Orion, and I'll be one of your hosts today. And if you really knew me, you would know that I can read a little bit of Mandarin. And I'm Eli, I will be your other host. I'm in seventh grade, and if you really knew me, you would know that I love fencing. But something that I'm not on the fence about is my love for pride literature. Last but certainly not least, we have Rachel, the sixth grade humanities teacher and our GSA leader, also known as the only one of us who is not completely insane. True fact. Hi, I'm Rachel Stone, and if you really knew me, you would know that my parents also gave me some extra middle names, including a Yiddish name, Chayabela, and a hippie name, Windcloud. Um, And I do, in fact, really enjoy the enthusiasm and occasional chaos of the GSA. Wow, that's pretty interesting. I never knew that. Those names are pretty swagalicious. You might think that there aren't many good books that feature strong LGBTQ plus representations, or maybe you're overwhelmed by all the amazing options out there. But fear not, friends, we're here to help you out. We've selected four out of many books that have excellent representation, and we're excited to share them with you today. We'll be covering two books perfect for middle school readers, Heartstopper by Alice Osman and Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. We'll also be covering two books for all ages, The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag and Snapdragon by Kat Lay. Now let's get started! Alright, first up we have The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag. This is a great book for all ages. The main plot focuses on a 15-year-old girl named Morgan, struggling with high school drama and figuring out her sexuality. But when a mysterious sulky girl washes up on shore, everything changes. This book features all sorts of great LGBTQ representation, and I would highly recommend reading this book if you are interested in the ocean, sulkies, or just magic in general. And by the way, if you didn't know, a selkie is a part human, part seal, mythical creature. Next up, we have Snapdragon by Catleg. This is an amazing book that I would highly recommend to anyone. Snapdragon's town has a witch. At least, that's how the rumor goes. But in reality, Jax is a Crocs-wearing, internet-savvy old lady who sells roadkill skeletons online. It's creepy, sure, but Snap thinks it's kind of cool. Snap needs a favor from this old woman, though, so she begins helping Jax with her strange work. Snap gets to know her and realizes that Jax may have real magic and an unlikely connection to Snap's family past. If you like magic and adventure, you're going to love this graphic novel. Of course, we have to include Heartstopper by Alice Osman. 
It's a four book series that features two high school boys meeting, becoming friends, and eventually falling in love. This is an excellent book, but I would most recommend it to fifth grade and above, mostly because of the strong language. Last but not least, we have the Carry On series by Rainbow Rowell. This is an amazing trilogy. Simon Snow is at his last year of Watford School of Magics when disaster strikes. The insidious humdrum is at large, consuming magic like never before. To defeat the humdrum, Simon is forced to team up with his roommate and mortal enemy, Baz Pitch. Throughout the story, these two grow increasingly close and soon form more than just a friendship. This book is great for 6th graders and above, and if you liked Harry Potter and other fantasy books, you'll love this. And just a heads up that the third book in the Carry On series is recommended for high school audiences and older due to some of the mature themes. There are many more amazing prior-related books that we just couldn't fit into this episode. If you want to know more, there will be a list on this episode's Padlet. Or, if you have your own great queer book recommendations, you can add them to the Padlet as well. All right, before we go, let's let Rachel back onto the mic and hear her perspective. As a middle school humanities teacher, she definitely knows a thing or two about this topic. Hello again, Rachel. Hi. To go along with all these awesome book recommendations, let's pause and talk about the significance of this literary genre. I have a couple of questions. Eli and Rachel, why do you think this type of literature is important? And more specifically, why at this moment in time? Rachel, since you're the guest, I'll let you go first. Um, so I think in, um, in all of our media, including our books, we need to see ourselves reflected in characters. We need windows and mirrors. We need to be able to see parts of our own identities reflected and recognized and witnessed in characters. And we also need to be able to see through eyes of people whose identities we don't experience and whose lives we don't necessarily have access to the inside experience. And I think for queer books, stories of, you know, especially like young people on a journey figuring out their gender identity, um, happy gay love stories, crushes. And then I think um, probably my personal favorite is like the young people trying to figure out as they're like coming out to themselves. That's probably like my favorite subgenre. Um, we need those stories in our lives because I think something about identities for like sexuality and gender is you don't choose them, but you have to figure them out. And so being able to see characters figuring that out um, through hopefully the wisdom of a probably adult author who's figured some stuff out themselves can be really important. Adding on to what Rachel says, but I definitely 100% agree with her, is that sometimes people, especially like in the queer community, they think that like a lot of people aren't like them, that they're weird or strange and that other people make them feel that way. And I know that when I was younger, reading was my escape. Like when I was being bullied or something like that, I would just pick up a book and pretend those characters were real and that they were my friends. And like I dreamed that I went into the book. And that is true for so many different people. And with books like these, like queer books that represent people like them, it can make them feel really great to know that they're not the only ones. That was really interesting. I would like to know more about why the here and now is so important. I've been thinking about that, and I think we actually have needed these stories like already. We needed them yesterday, last year, decades ago, and we need them now. Um, 
So I don't know if we need them now more than we needed them before, but a shout out to the middle grades publishing industry that is getting so much better with what authors are being represented and whose stories are being told. But I think we need them now because, you know, young people need access to like seeing multiple kinds of stories immediately for their health and safety. Yeah. I think that it's important, especially right now, because currently there's a lot of discrimination towards the queer community. And while people are coming out, it's really sad. And I feel like when these stories are more represented, then people see that it's just a normal part of life. And there are many people in their community. And it's not just a few people. I couldn't agree with you more. You said exactly what I was thinking far better than I could have. Okay, Rachel, I have one more question to ask you. What's your process like for choosing LGBTQ plus books for your class assignments and library? As you know, I'm constantly asking the GSA for recommendations, and I really do get all of my best recommendations from students. So thanks, guys. Honestly, Rachel, I think that's incredible, and I love that you get most of your book recommendations from your students. That's really cool. And I do remember in the GSA when we marked all the queer books with rainbow washi tape. And actually, Rachel, you were the one who introduced me to Carry On and made me love it so much and start to discover more queer books because I haven't really had access to those. Actually, Rachel, by sharing Carry On with Eli, who shared it with me, you also helped me open my library to a whole new world of LGBTQ plus books that I don't think I would have discovered otherwise. That makes me really happy to hear. Well, there you have it. Several great books with lots of LGBTQ plus representation for you to enjoy. Plus a reminder of why this genre is so important for you to support. Once again, we would like to encourage you to check out these swagalicious stories and all the honorable mentions on this episode's Padlet. Have fun reading and happy Pride Month, everyone! Wow, I'd never heard of The Girl from the Sea. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. It's so cool hearing that the other GSA students have been impacted as positively by the community as I have. Speaking of the GSA, we'll be hearing more from them in this upcoming segment. Hello and welcome to today's feature segment. I'm Liam, one of your 8th grade co-hosts and the associate producer of this episode. If you really knew me, you know that I was one of the founding members of the GSA, along with my friends Callum and Kairos. You'll hear more about the GSA later in this episode. I'm Callum, also in 8th grade. And if you really knew me, you'd know that I identify as non-binary. For folks who don't know, that means I don't identify as just a girl or just a boy. Today, we'll be talking about the history and the future of a little-known part of our campus, the Queer Counter. We'll be hearing from students and staff about this important way to belong and be counted in our community. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. So, what is the Queer Counter, you may ask? Well, it's a tool that allows people to feel safe coming out as whatever sexuality, gender, something else that they identify with, without the risk of being outed. Coming out is a shortened term that refers to telling people how you identify your sexuality, your gender identity, that may differ from the norms of society. 
or how people are used to you identifying. Another thing, being outed is a phrase that means somebody has revealed or told other people how you identify without you explicitly telling them that they can. That can be really hurtful and damaging and traumatic to the person. Outing people is bad. Don't do it. You may have seen version one of The Queer Counter last year, and a keen eye may have noticed that it's now gone. Where did it go? Will it come back? We'll explain all of that and more right now. Last year, the queer counter resided on the whiteboard next to the PE field. It was drawn there by students to provide a visual marker for how many out and proud people there were on the Park Day campus. Aside from a small group, most people weren't aware of what it was. It was constantly being erased, defaced, and other things. As a result, it wasn't able to fulfill its goal of helping members of our community come out and express their identity safely. But changes on the horizon. The GSA has been brainstorming how to make the queer counter more permanent, prominent, and purposeful. Let's head over to this group now and hear what they have to say about this. We'll be talking with two members of the GSA, Aspen and Elza, who are the de facto leaders of the queer counter and some of the student leaders of the redesign project. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Hi, my name's Elza. I'm in sixth grade, and if you really knew me, you would know that I like to take pictures of my cat. Hi, I'm Aspen. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm in sixth grade. If you really knew me, you would know that I really like doing digital art. So, to start with, can you tell us who and what the GSA is? Well, GSA stands for Gender and Sexuality Alliance, and uh, we meet at lunch on Fridays. It's open to uh, all uh, students uh, at Park Day in the middle school, including queer students and allies. GSA is in its first year at Park Day, but it has gone through many variations throughout the years, such as the well-known Pride Club. Each year, our group evolves into something new to reflect the questioning, allies, and queer community in Park Day. So what's the history of the Queer Counter, and what do you know about it? It was made as like a way to help people come out without really needing to come out, and that was really helpful for a lot of people, I think. I think it just helps people feel like it's okay to come out uh, if they see uh, that a lot of other people have come out and are in like the same community as them. And to add on to that, sometimes people can be nervous too, or like aren't brave enough, or it's just, I don't know, something that they're struggling to do. So I feel like this is a way to let them tell someone, but not really tell someone, like anonymously do it. So how did you two start managing the queer counter? Well, it kept being erased, so we would just put it back up when we saw that it had been erased. So you, somewhat unofficially, became the managers of the Queer Counter. What are your ideas, and the ideas from the GSA, about how the Queer Counter can become more permanent and fulfill its purpose better in the community? We haven't really decided on a good plan yet, but it might be some sort of digital thing or just some more permanent setup than just a whiteboard. Okay, well thank you Aspen and Elsa. It was a great talk with you about your perspectives and ideas on the Queer Counter. 
So now that we've talked to Aspen and Elsa about their plans for the Queer Counter, we're going to go over to the Innovation Workshop and talk with the GSA about how they're putting those solutions into action. The GSA has been receiving some help from Ilya and Rachel to plan the design. They've been using design thinking methods to brainstorm the Queer Counter and make it durable in the schoolyard. So we're going to go over and talk to them now and see what they're doing. Hey there, it's Ilya here in the Innovation Workshop. I am looking at the Queer Counter at this very moment. It's in its final, final throes of being made. It's really cool to look at. So thinking a little bit about where we started in this design build process, the kids came together and you know they came into the workshop talking about the problem. And the problem being that our queer counter, the one that we had up, that a previous student uh, graduate from last year actually created, that queer counter was a simple whiteboard that wasn't wasn't really clearly identified and in a place that, that worked to support it and other people using it. So we talked about those particular aspects of design building and then we talked about what our purpose was in creating this new one. So I feel like having different areas for different sexualities or genders might not actually feel very good for people who yeah. didn't. Because if there was just like this, 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 and then other, yeah. sometimes yeah. being an other yeah, doesn't I feel good. Like yeah. yeah. And it's also like, uh, you don't even have to put your tally up there. It's kind of like, just like seeing like how many other people are here and will support you. Yeah. And there were two things that came up. One was to provide this place for people to acknowledge their identity. And then a second was to educate the community. And so we had all kinds of discussion about, well, what are we going to educate the community around? And oh my goodness, this group of students knows very well what all the different types of queer identities are right now around gender and sexuality. It was pretty amazing. And so we realized that was going to be a lot of words to communicate. And so putting on our designer's hats, we thought, okay, what about if we think more graphically, what if we think in symbols? What can we use that will help communicate some of this rich, rich, rich knowledge? And somebody said, how about flags? Because now we have so many flags to help people define their identity within gender and sexuality. It's pretty darn phenomenal. So I made a little drawing. I think we should have the, the area for checking, right? And then maybe a little instructions and a little plaque at the bottom with all of our maybe names or... Here's oh, what I'm going to do. Can I share a doc to start drafting together, like an explanation of the queer counter? And if, if you want to like start drafting it together, I know like some of you have been on the workshop doc, just popping in ideas. Does that sound like a good thing to do before our Thursday meeting? Yep. Let's commit to our next meeting being one in which we're getting our hands no, on materials and making this happen. We will not spend a lot of time in discussion at our next meeting. We're going to go to action. Sound good? I did love this discussion. It's really Sounds beautiful. Great. So, after we've had that clarified, we divided and conquered in terms of labor and created a whole lot of flags, and uh, which involved, of course, a lot of sawing and painting, basically. And here we are. On a personal level, I, I hadn't thought too much about this project uh, when the students came into the workshop, but I have to say, if you don't know, I identify as lesbian. And in the time in which I developed my identity as a lesbian person, 
And one of the things that came up was the use of the pride flag, the rainbow flag. That, when I was younger, that didn't exist. And so I remember, to this day, I remember, for example, seeing that flag as a bumper sticker and how it struck me. And I went, whoa, there's more people out there who, uh, who identify as gay or lesbian. In this case, that was way back before we really talked about all the different types of, of identity. And um, anyway, so I was really sort of struck by realizing, wow, there are all these different flags now. The kids are really embracing them. And uh, there's that rainbow flag there, going back to the beginning. So now we're talking about the build process of the Queer Counter with some wonderful members of our GSA. Elo. Hello. Elza. Hello. Callum. Hi. Aspen. Hi. And Laurel. Hello. So. What did you all learn from the design and building process of the Queer Counter? I learned about many new flags that I didn't know about before. For example, I didn't know about the Timey Boy flag, which is gray with a blue stripe in the middle. I learned what intersex was, which is when you're born with like some traditionally female body parts and some traditionally male body parts. So how did you learn about that? Since the Queer Counter is made out of wood, are there any specific things while building that you discovered? Uh, it was really interesting because uh, we uh, painted flags uh, on pieces of wood, and that uh, helped us all to learn about like new flags that we maybe hadn't heard of before. Yeah, I know I definitely learned some new flags while building it. The flags are there because we want to make sure that everyone can see maybe like something that represents them. It also just adds color and you know, you see your flag and you're like, oh, that's me, I'm, I'm here. So what did you like or find challenging about the building and design process of the Queer Counter? We had a lot of different uh, like design ideas for the Queer Counter. Some were like uh, digital and some were like uh, more closer to like the original whiteboard. But we eventually decided on a big wood rectangle with like decorations where people can write on their tallies. Elsa, I know that you were the one who made the design and I have to say, I love it. So, what would you all like the community to know about the Queer Counter? Um, it's completely open for like anyone to use. Um, it's for like all grades and ages. But please don't deface it. We spent a lot of time on it and it kept getting like destroyed when we had um, it temporary on a whiteboard. So please don't do that again. Yeah, the Queer Counter, we decided to make it more permanent because it was getting destroyed. But like, we want it to be something that people know about and are more educated about. So they they know that it's there and they won't like draw on it or erase it or take it down. Thank you all for participating and sharing these incredible perspectives with us. I'm guessing by now that you want to know what the newly designed Queer Counter looks like. So let's ask some of the people who made it. So the Queer Counter is a wooden board. It has a white space in the middle for you to write on it. Uh, and 
then we have a bunch of pride flags around the outside. It took a little bit to get all of the pride flags looking right, but we ended up making it look good in the end. Um, it also has um, some little directions on the bottom, um, a fun title in rainbow colors, and rounded edges. Thank you all for participating and helping us with this segment. Wow, I really appreciate that not only is the queer counter being made for the larger queer and LGBTQ community at Park Day, but that it's also helped to deepen the relationships of the club members in the GSA. All right, listeners, so as the saying goes, a picture can be worth more than a thousand words. So head over to this episode's Padlet to see some photos of the creation of the brand new queer counter. While you're there, let us know what you think or share something you learned from this episode. Before we close out, we want to thank everyone who helped make the new Queer Counter and this segment possible. We want to say thank you to Aspen and Elza for recording with us and being some of the student leaders of the Queer Counter project. We'd also like to thank Ilya for helping us build the Queer Counter. I would also lastly like to thank Callum and Kairos for working with me on this segment and being some of the best people to work with I could ask for. On a personal note, I would like to say that even though I'm off to high school next year and won't be at Park Day with you all, it feels really good to know that me and my friends in our community have made something really important that will let all queer and questioning students here at Park Day know that they belong. With that said, this is Callum and Liam, Park Day Class of 2022, signing off for now. Thanks for listening and supporting, and see you around. Hey Liam! That was definitely a really powerful piece you put together, and I really like what you shared at the end about leaving the Queer Counter as a gift for Park Day's queer community, and hopefully for years to come. Yeah, it'll be cool to come back in the future for reunions or seeing people in the GSA, and to see how the Queer Counter is being used by future generations of the GSA or the community at Park Day in general. Well, if you enjoyed today's show, we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this episode's Padlet. Leave a comment, a question, or share something that you've learned. Also, don't forget, we've compiled a list of family-friendly LGBTQ resources to support your continued learning. Whether you're a parent, a teacher, or just a curious, open-hearted human, you should definitely go check them out. And while you're at it, you can subscribe to If You Knew Me Mondays and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune into your favorite podcasts. Last but not least, let your friends and family know about If You Knew Me Mondays so they too can explore the nooks, crannies, people, and perspective of Park Day along with us. Once again, we want to thank everybody, and I mean everybody, whom helped make today's show possible. And we thank you so much for listening. We're your hosts, Liam and Kairos. And this has been If You Knew Me Mondays. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you around.